This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I think it's fine. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get raped at his family ranch. Anymore. No, there's, there's... I, do, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never really been to Texas. I've only been to Austin, which I've been told is sort of the Hillary Clinton of Texas. <laughs> That's right. The big, fraudulent, wide-bodied, serious haircut part of, of Texas. Or was that the rest of Texas? And is Austin the Bill Clinton of Texas? I think, no, Austin's the Bernie. The rest of Texas is the Hillary. All right, welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel looking at the beautiful Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. With us, as always, we got this guy. I'm Henry Zabrowski, okay. and I always will be. Now, are <laughs> until, you sure? Until the day I die, and then my son, who will be named Henry Thomas Zabrowski III, who will have Wait. to live in my shadow are... and have to figure out his own fucking bullshit yeah. to get out underneath the pressure of what it's like to be the next Zabrowski. But you're not a junior. I We're... am a junior. You yeah. are a junior? Henry uh-huh. Thomas Zabrowski Jr. is my full name. You're fat <laughs> cop dad henry thomas Zabrowski had the audacity to he is a senior i am in his legacy there is nothing more egotistical than making your kid a junior when you're a failure <laughs> I've never... he is not a failure he's a civil servant and what do we know about civil servants they are the feet to the body that is america <laughs> all right uh so today's uh, subject matter i'm so excited it's a paranormal photography. And technology. And, and technology. Okay, now, all right, Jebediah, I want you to smile for the camera. We have it all set up. Please smile for the digital camera. Get out! <laughs> no, 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 no. I understand you want us to get out. This is your final resting place, but just please, just for a second, I'm just trying to get a picture. Get out! Piggy goes. Piggy went. Piggy has much blood to spent. What? <laughs> Something's weird about this Sears portrait studio. I'm really sick of these crude ghost rhymes. What <laughs> yeah. a wood background. Well, photographs of paranormal activity have been around almost as long as the medium of photography itself. And while even before the days of Photoshop, a ghost photo was fairly easy to fake using double exposure, today we'll be discussing a few mysterious Serious photos without such easy explanations, and at least one photographer whose method of photography itself 
was where the mystery began. Now, mm. let's say this. I really want to believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this has been our problem on last podcast and the left is we've wanted to cover more ghost stories. But it's mm-hmm. very difficult to find this stuff that is genuinely creepy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff w- w- you read about about ghosts is honestly completely bull- complete bullshit. Oh, yeah. And we're going to learn a lot about bullshitters and the bullshit that the bullshit really soon. Um, right. But how do you feel? Do you feel like there are ghosts to take pictures of? I think that there are. Absolutely. And you know what, ladies? Your ex-husband isn't coming back. So just feel <laughs> good knowing that someone's still in the house with you. Or do we think that they are just reflections of the consciousness of pure energies on the floor of a holographic background of a wormhole? I like ghost better. <laughs> That's what Daniel Roundtree believes. And we'll definitely get to Daniel Roundtree. But before we get to Daniel Roundtree, let's start with the highest order of bullshit that uh, it is contained within the phenomenon of paranormal photography orbs. You watch what you be saying about orbs. I got a whole collection of orbs and they're my family. <laughs> is that right? That is my, they are my brothers and my sisters because they all died in the last ones died in a fire. <laughs> and now all I have are these precious pictures of orbs all available to you for only $29.95. You're selling your family pictures? Yes. Mm. <laughs> There's my mom right there. It's right next to this picture of a tomato. Yeah, you that's... can see that right there. It's a big pink orb because just that was the shape of her, the bottom of her belly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> now, spirit orbs are small spherical blobs of light that sometimes show up in photographs, particularly flash photography done in dark spaces. And while some claim that these orbs are visual representations of spirits, the phenomenon is among the most easily debunked claims made by the paranormal community. The rise of spirit of the spirit orb phenomenon coincided almost perfectly with the proliferation of digital cameras. And while orbs occasionally showed up on pictures taken with traditional film, sightings have exploded since digital cameras became the norm. Hmm. I think I would actually love the idea of being an orb. You know, you could. I was never good at playing baseball, but maybe I could bead the baseball. Yeah. You know, people could throw me around the walls and stuff like that. And you'd I, finally be light and fun instead of long and dark. That's correct. <laughs> I want to be an orb. Yeah, you'd be like the little Cinderella fairies, but it'd be like you'd show up and be like, You got any beer? <laughs> yeah, you got, he's got any loose jerky lying around? Or, like, or you'd just go into like a singles bar and go like, Hey. Hey, what's going on, lady? I can grant you a wish. The only way I can do that is if I get a smell of your vulva. <laughs> and then you could go Perfect. up girls' skirts and live inside their vaginas like you've always wanted to. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, believers say the reason why the phenomenon coincides so neatly with the technology is because digital cameras are able to pick up paranormal activity in ways that traditional film can't. <laughs> Oh, God, what is that? Oh, I'm up to my knees in horseshit. Oh, is that something? (laughs) Now, skeptics say the exact same thing, but use the fact that digital cameras pick up objects that normal film can't to debunk the claims. I feel like that's got to be a big blow. When they use the same reason that you just said, when you're talking to a scientist and you're like, but the technology has gotten so incredible that it catches all these orbs. And he's just like, exactly, (laughs) exactly. God damn it, Herman. It's like, I've seen a ghost, all right. It's like, you remember that movie, Ghostbusters? Yeah. You remember that movie? Mm, so it's yeah. a little-known movie. Uh, and there was a, you know, when, that, when that fat man, the fat man, the blues brother, he laid down on the bed, and then the ghost whipped down, and I kind of pulled down the zip of his pants, and I guess uh, you, it alluded to the fact that he gave him a little bit of a blowjob. And I tell you what, it's completely real, except when it was done to me, it was the ghost's ass. <laughs> 
Did you you masturbated to Ghostbusters or? Yes, of course. It's a <laughs> pornography film. No, it's a it's sort of a comedy spoof horror. No, film it's a about- You tell me you you got a grown man covered head to toe in green goop and no one's masturbating to that? <laughs> you then I call you not an American. Okay, well I, I guess I'm a, a Mexican. Now, spirit orbs are actually nothing more than pollen, dust, or moisture. Things which actually weren't picked up on traditional film. And as far as why spirit orbs are more prevalent in supposedly haunted locations is simply because most of these places are abandoned and dirty. So when (laughs) you're walking around yelling at ghosts, of course all of the dust is going to get kicked up. Yeah, your new black ghost hunting sketchers are (laughs) are kicking up dust bunnies everywhere. I feel like you guys are being too cynical about the reality that ghosts are orbs. I mean, that's just a fact. (laughs) It's not a fact. The reason why they show up in graveyards is because graveyards are in fields with grass. And when you're walking around, a bunch of pollen gets fucking knocked up. Oh, well, yeah, you've never been to a Wisconsin graveyard. And that's got to make the ghost stalker's data man mournerer like, furious with his allergies. Being <laughs> like, well, I could tell that there's a ghoster because I'm, I'm getting dry-throated and my eyes are, are red. And I got to tell ghost activity is quite heavy in here because, <laughs> oh, so give so, me a ghost handkerchief. Oh. You're allergic to paranormal activity. Yes. Not- oh, ghosts are filled with hay. <laughs> is that right? Not pollen, though. No. Well, pollen is for pollen only gets you allergic to it if you're Chinese. I don't know. Get out of here. I gotta look at my EMF machine. It's going to zip zappity zippity zappity. <laughs> Troy Taylor, the president of the American Ghost Society and paranormal photography expert, he actually I'm on his side. He put he put it perfectly. I find the whole idea of orbs to be more than a little insulting. It insinuates that when I die, I will show up as this pathetic blob on someone's camera to be displayed to the whole internet like an eight-pound catfish mounted on the wall. It's a great reward. I mean, who doesn't want to be mounted on somebody's wall? You think two catfish sit around and be like, man, I hope they don't eat me. I hope they stuff me. (laughs) I think that's true, yes. Now, that same researcher said that Orbophiles, as he calls orb enthusiasts, have again and again contacted contacted him saying that he has, quote-unquote, orb envy because his pictures don't have enough orbs in them. I love I love that. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that's a bit of a orbophile is kind of an insulting term, isn't it? Well, he means it do, to be insulting. He's okay. being pedantic. Yeah, these are underage ghosts being lured into some sort of bizarre ghost fan so they can be uh, had sex with by a man with a moustache. But I understand wanting to go ghost hunting. It's a fucking blast. It's a fun to go walk around. It's fun to go walk around an old abandoned church or an old graveyard. It'd be nice if some of these paranormal groups had a couple of like hot women in it or even hot dudes in it so they could all make out in the graveyards because to me that's what you that's the whole point is that you take the person you find hot out to the fucking the, the old church or the old graveyard mm-hmm. and you get to be like man I hope this is not the night the, the, the ragged phantom comes it's like I've heard the only way to keep him from killing us in our sleep is that you gotta touch my so that is that's actually sort of a sexual entrapment. Type. No, 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 no. Everybody agrees. Everybody knows you're going. To, you're using yes a little bit of fear to make everybody. Wet. She wanted to go hunt a ghost, but then you went out because you wanted to hunt her. I wanted to hunt some pussy ghosts <laughs> with my know. ghost busting. Okay, we'll let it go. Stick is that the term? Is that <laughs> that's what you, fine. Oh, I gotta rattle some ghosts around inside of your parts. 
This is I'm great. I was great single. <laughs> no, when you start doing heavy research on our orbs, it becomes painfully obvious that the people who are most vocal about their belief in orbs are also the same people who have something to sell or promote. Mm. And as Troy Taylor says, and it's opinion that we all agree with, I have not changed my mind about the fact that random ghost hunting is not an investigation. And while all of these so-called ghost hunters that have a stranglehold on the paranormal television genre these days, while they all deserve our scorn and derision, Mm -hmm. the one that we'll be covering today might be the worst one of all, Mr. David Roundtree. David Roundtree is a favorite on Coast to Coast AM just because George could ask him questions of being like, tell me, David, do ghosts have a smell? And then David Roundtree is like, Yes, George, they absolutely do. <laughs> and, and you know what that smell is? I'd say caramel. <laughs> a caramel smell, that's amazing. You know, some people say caramel, and some people say caramel. What do you say, David? I'm a caramel. I say caramel. That's what I say when I say caramel. Me, I say caramel, because why forget the second A? Am I right, David? So tell me, do you think you could marry a ghost? <laughs> That's a perfect George Norrie impression. <laughs> David Roundtree, his credentials is that he's a New Jersey ghost hunter and cast member on the Destination America show Ghost Stalkers, which, mm. like many of them, specializes in using technology to prove the existence of of the paranormal. Wouldn't it be amazing mm-hmm. if Ghost Stalkers was just a show featuring the ghosts of famous stalkers like Mark <laughs> David Chapman and the guy yeah. that tried to that shot himself in the head while like trying to talk to Bjork? That would be amazing. And them just being yeah. like, "Now that I'm a ghost, I can go in their bedroom anytime I want." <laughs> but David Roundtree, he started he wrote a book called Paranormal Technologies: Understanding the Science of Ghost Hunting, and he wrote a book called Demon Street USA: The True Story of a Very Haunted House. <laughs> um, but David Roundtree is a part of the paranormal technology movement that's happening in ghost hunting and in ghost theorists right now, which is the idea of bringing heavy, quote-unquote, heavy science into the world of ghost hunting. So what Mm. he says about shadow people is that he believes... one of his many cockamamie, ridiculous sentences that he says is that they are parts of antimatter. They are they are not, it's not black matter, it's not dark matter, it's this antimatter, mm-hmm. which is purposefully non-existent and reflects, it reflects light rather than us. That No, it absorbs light rather than reflects light like we do. Antimatter is mm. from the 1987 DC Comics crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths. Exactly. Is- <laughs> Science. Yeah, it seems like And that it. is exactly how it is described. He gets, he is getting his research from old DC Comics crossover. But he's also a shaman who practices wolf medicine and regularly <laughs> refers to himself as Grey Wolf. Well, now I'm confused. Is he a scientist? <laughs> no, he, well, he's a scientist, but he's also a shaman. But and- he, I think he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> so what does that make him? I don't know, but I will say his Facebook profile, I got lost in his Facebook profile, which has got one of the saddest Whoops. things. The David Roundtree uh Facebook profile says his category is former public figure, which is actually very sad. That is the um, saddest thing I've ever heard in my very, entire life. But I went through and I really got lost in his world, and he's got a lot of pictures of him shirtless with his weird dad bod yeah. with a fur vest on and many Native American uh, necklaces he's on. He's one of those guys. Oh, very cool. I mean, you had me at New Jersey. I knew exactly <laughs> what he looked like. Do you have to be mean to the ghost when you try to entice them to come out? That's my mom. Come out and face me! 
It's my pet peeve about all these shows. They just scream at these ghosts. Yeah. And why can't you just be nice to it? I don't know. Uh, you'd think, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar, I always say. But... I say you catch more flies with a fly-catching bucket. <laughs> well, that's, that what? It's just a bucket. Paranormal technology is what I'm talking about. You need a ghost-catching bucket. Yes, I suppose that's true. Well, I say be nice to a ghost for once. Yeah, See please. If that works. Please. Well, uh, we've got a little bit of information straight from David Roundtree's mouth uh, and from an interview that he did on Coast to Coast about five years ago. And on this interview, he really hammered home the, the his central belief as now, far as what ghosts are. It's very, it's actually an interesting idea because he, he does, he tries to do the gigantic mega theory for all paranormal activity or as we like to call it, anomalous anomalous activity mm. or experiences where he says that everything we see like UFOs, Bigfoot ghosts are just, and this is what I said before, which is ridiculous mm. is the reflection of the consciousness of pure energy on the holographic boundary of a wormhole. Mm-hmm. He thinks that localized wormholes pop up in houses. And when we see ghosts is that we see energies sort of on the, 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 um, like, you know, when you, when you come Onto like a piece of paper, like you're doing a magic ritual, and it's got a film on the top of it. I guess I could say like iced tea or water, but it's got the bubble on top of it. He say ghosts play out on that because when people die, these wormholes open up, which is what the uh, with the uh, the tunnel that we see in the the near death experience. That's from the frighteners. You made the analogy more confusing than what you were actually saying. No, I'm just saying what he's saying is that it's wormholes that pop up locally. Localized. Like yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen the Frighteners. It either goes, to, he- movie. Either goes we- to heaven or it goes to hell. But he said holographic boundary of a wormhole. Michael J. Fox <laughs> didn't even have the disease in the Frighteners. <laughs> that was a heck of a movie. But he's saying we're seeing into other realms through tubes. Oh, uh, yeah. Space tubes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what David Roundtree says, that he hates telling people about this because they will, in his own words, Poo-poo him. You would be surprised, George, <laughs> the kinds of poo-pooing that goes on. It's heavy and it is frequent. And sometimes I find myself up to my shaman necklaces in poo-poo from various critics. And I got to say, I'm about to take people's shovels away. You know what I'm saying, George? <laughs> yes, I do. You wouldn't believe how much poo I see on a regular basis, up to 10 cubic liters. Now tell me, David, do ghosts wear shoes? <laughs> Here's, here's a few other examples of uh, things that David Roundtree actually said on this interview of Coast to Coast. No, in this experiment, in his various experiments, he tries to bring high technology to every one of his investigations. So what we try to do is prove that EVPs, that what we we hear ghost talking, are not is not actual sound. So he took. He took microphones and put them in Faraday cages, which the only way I could think to describe mm-hmm. them is Frankenstein jails. They're yeah, like, what's a, what's a Faraday cage? It's like, you ever go to, you ever see thing like, it's like a Tesla, you're standing next to a Tesla coil. They have no purpose as far as I'm concerned. No, I don't know. I'm no. not a scientist. Faraday cages, what they are is that they are cages that exclude electromagnetic and electrostatic uh, waves. They are, see, Faraday uh, cages are actually very useful in science. You don't know. <laughs> when have you used them in science? I've never done science. Exactly. But I, yeah, I, think I read. Exactly. I read. I poo poo. I poo poo. Don't you say. Po- he don't works poo-poo. with. What's don't that poo-poo. sound? That? 
Okay, <laughs> guys. He's scraping poo poo off the poo poo deck. Oh my God, Henry, please don't poo poo Marcus's I'm ideas. A, I'm fucking chock full of it. Well, no, All right, I, I had a lot of knowledge flax this morning from the readings I've done, and so my poo poo is loose. Okay. No. Um, and Let's... he did not prove that EVPs were not sound. Well, he says that he recorded something, but the thing is that he shows it. He, in order to prove an EVP is real, what he does is he shows it to five people, and if each one of them says that they hear the same exact thing, then he says it's real. But he says he's only encountered about 10 of those in the entire time he's been doing investigating, which so is about 20 years. It's an anti-noise noise? You're an anti-noise noise. <laughs> what? No, why, now you're poo-pooing me? You're oh, Marcus, Henry is oh, going poo-poo Henry, crazy. stop poo-pooing. You're poo-pooing too much. I'm about to put you're, some you, rubber gloves on because oh the poo-poo is about to get up underneath my fingernails. <laughs> oh, I'll be yeah. grabbing it so firmly and mushing it into your perfect hair, Ben Kissel. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, Henry, I want to ask you this. Why does he want to change the word paranormal, spelled P-A-R-A normal, to perinormal, P-A-R-E normal? Paranormal sounds like it's more than normal, right? Perinormal is remaking it normal. That is what he said. That is what he said. Is that well, yeah. He's going to use science to show, which is what people talk about with, with, with studying paranormal activity a lot, which is that it's not magic, it's undiscovered science. The way he right, did it makes yeah. him sound like an asshole. Hmm. Interesting. Um, he said the best way, so this is one of my favorite ones, is that in order to size, in order to tell the size of cold spots in rooms, they take the temperature, they, they take the thermometers, and they throw them across the room. <laughs> and if right? they don't break... They can get an accurate reading, but he's like, but you'd be surprised, George, how many microphones we go through in an investigation. That's how <laughs> Agent Dale Cooper tried to solve the mystery okay. of his dreams in Twin Peaks. Exactly. So- True sources. Yes. Well, he, he likes he likes good things. He likes good comics and good TV shows, good movies as well. And he he did- does have fantastic yes. taste. He yes. does. Sure. Frighteners is a great deep cut to Love- learn about how to catch a ghost. Yes, and <laughs> Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey, Jake, very good. He was very, very good. good. Very, very good. good. Everyone Michael- was very good. Also, Michael J. Fox, before he became a human drink mixer. I already mentioned that he it's wasn't very dealing sad. that. It's very and, sad. And Jeff Combs just being himself. Well, it's all he needs to be. Now, speaking of equipment, he says the main problem with ghost data is that for some reason, they cannot permanently record the dial reading. So he's like, a lot of times you literally have to expect, you have to trust that the guy running the sound cart just heard a ghost say, hey... I think one of you farted here. Mm. It's just like the the things bounce. And they, they, they have no proof. Right. Uh, and then he says, now he, all of his various, so how you know that he's a true scientist is that he used a bunch of shit. Like he says, anecdotal event, casualty, correlation. He says stuff like differentials all the time. Byproducts of the effects on the environment. I don't know what he said. And then he also is saying yeah. that the reason why he knows that ghosts come from wormholes is because he said ion increases happen quite often during ghost scientists, which I still don't really understand. But the problem is that... Ion meters in order to measure ion, which I don't even know what any of this means, with the ions jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. He's counting on you not knowing what it exactly. means. Exactly. But the, he said, the, again, that not only, he, then he disapproved himself. He's like, but the problem with ion meters is that they're notoriously inaccurate. The best ion meter you can have is only 5% 
accurate. What does that even mean? I don't, per- I don't know. It's not accurate. And then, <laughs> it's not good. But then he also says that there's spikes in gamma radiation that occur because of subatomic annihilation. If what is so, being what is being annihilated and what is doing the annihilation? Shut up. We're in an interesting <laughs> spot right now because we're hearing information that's so stupid I can't understand it, which is making me feel dumb. <laughs> but I should feel smart for not understanding this because it's so stupid. It's the problem is that you're trying to put science in paranormal activity research, and I actually really believe in it. Right? Yeah. I really fun. want the hard data to show us that ghosts are real. I want a fucking alien's cock in a jar. I want to be looking <laughs> at it. I want to ding ding. Ding, 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 ding. I want to jiggle around in a jar. I want to see it. I, I completely agree with him. But the problem is you have charlatans like him who come in and throw a bunch of nonsense science words at everybody, which gets him booked on a television show where they think he's a scientist and it's all horseshit. Yeah. I mean, if I was producing a TV show, I'd book him. Yes. It does, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guest, but yeah. he's a terrible person for, in addition to all of his bullshittery, he's also one of those guys who lies about his military service. Uh. He claims that uh, while he, he did serve in Vietnam, uh, he did actually do that, but he claimed that he got uh, the Silver Star, two Bronze Stars, and a Purple Heart, and he also said mm. that he was there at the fall of Saigon, uh, and just a dozen different inconsistencies is found in his story, but mm-hmm. Roundtree has refused to... It could very easily release documentation to prove his claims, but he has refused saying on Facebook, quote, My life never has been and never will be an open book. Deal with it. it winky face emoji. Oh, he winky face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did a meme. He did the oh, deal yeah. with it meme. Yeah, he did. <laughs> deal yeah. with it. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah, the sunglasses come down, deal with it's it. It's also really sad when you go through his whole Facebook photo profiles, you see him go through three girlfriends. Oh. You know, and you see the same picture of each yeah. one of the girlfriends, and they're heavily photoshopped. Mm. And also <laughs> a picture. In the back. And also the picture of the PlayStation controllers over a woman's breasts and his hands with that, that shirt that has two PlayStation controllers over the hands. Oh, my and it's God. his hands on yeah. his shirt. He says, like, got a chance to play with these controllers loved every minute of them uh, uh, what did <laughs> vietnam do to these people <laughs> my uncle's a piece of shit i'll tell you that god yeah and when he was pressed further uh on releasing this documentation he doxed his accusers and wrote that he has quote a rather long hit list and shortly after posting a selfie in which he was pointing a rather large gun at the camera he wrote the caption to my enemies. Fuck so yeah. he's like Steve Buscemi from Billy Madison. He's <laughs> yes. just ready to go. Yes, and he had his daughter take the picture of him holding the gun up against the lens of yeah. the fucking camera. That would have been a fun story. I will say, if you do think you've wronged this man, give him a call. Give him a call. <laughs> just give him a call. Just tell him, hey, thinking about you. But I actually think there's some creed. So what he says that all of his readings point to this wormhole theory. And I think there is something to the idea it's of many possible. dimensions. Yes. We, the way our brains sort of receive the many dimensions i think that that it's i get that yeah but the problem is that the, the man a man like this is sort of like what we deal with in the ufo world with disinformation which is like this horse shit muddies any of the the real theories that could could reflect something like this well this is more mm. misinformation than disinformation yeah he's this not is just a, doing yeah it. yeah yeah disinformation is like someone unless this man is a plant like possibly the mj12 documents which we will get to very soon you fuckers yeah. Yeah. aliens yes Uh-oh. i've been reading so much alien shit i don't <laughs> okay, trust get- anything that you say oh, now I'm, oh. I'm on a new i'll say this real quick i'm on a new thread which is if the hoaxers are hoaxing us right if ufo's if the if the picking up of UFO ships and, and having alien bodies, if that is also a hoax administered by the U.S. government, why are they doing that? 
right? If they're not even trying to hide alien bodies, what are they trying to fucking hide? So the hoaxers are hoaxing us? Oh, yeah, it's an Ooh. onion. It's a it's a pretty big <laughs> onion. And I've been shouting about it quite a bit. That's good. That's no, very good. Things are going well career-wise. <laughs> yes, good, you can good. tell by the more I scream about aliens. Oh, Texas Speed is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day. Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You bet your dog. But you're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively, but BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits, so they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats, and oh, they love their life, and they love the, They love what BarkBox brings, because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. 
I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, while David Rountree is without a doubt a fraud and a generally terrible human being, there are actually some ghost photos that exist that merit some actually serious discussion. And Quite some, a few, in fact. And there's some creepy-ass shit. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to do today, because we want to make sure that you're afraid that the brown woman <laughs> is going to no. come out of your ass. No, not the brown woman, the brown lady. I'm so sorry. She is a noble woman. Brown woman is Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) No, you can't say that. You can't say that? No, I don't think you can say that. Oh, whoa, whoa, oh, so it's Shonda Rhimes? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, yes, the first photograph we will be discussing today is the infamous brown lady Tyra Banks. Not Tyra Banks, the brown lady of Ryman Hall. Ooh. On September 19th, 1936, a photographer from Country Life magazine was visiting the aforementioned Raynham Hall in Norfolk, England. At around 4 p.m., as he was setting up his camera to take a picture of a particularly beautiful staircase. It's a nice fucking staircase. I have to say, I thought it would be a woman, I have to admit, for Country Life magazine. No, no, for Country Life magazine, he's taking pictures of the house. He witnessed with his own eyes a ghostly apparition moving towards him. And while the reporter traveling with the photographer claimed to have seen nothing, the photographer in question snapped a picture anyway, and when the film was developed, a fairly convincing transparent figure was indeed seen moving down the stairs. Hmm. Now, the legend 
of the brown lady, so-called because of the old-fashioned brown dress that she wears, has its beginnings in the early 1700s. Because the original pink dyes had to come from Native American babies. Yeah, <laughs> sad, though, what we did to them. Now, as legend has it, Charles Townsend, a nobleman with a famously violent temper, upon learning that his wife had participated in a short affair years before the two were even married, Charles Townsend faked the poor woman's death and locked her in a room at Raynham Hall till the day of her death. I mean, don't you usually kick your girlfriend or wife out after you find out about an no, affair? No, no, just no. Not, in seven, not in 1726. You Absolutely keep them not. closer. I thought it was the get out of here, but he's like, come in here. No, 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 no. It's like you make them their own little world where they're the only girlfriend that exists in that room. Yeah, all right. <laughs> now, even if the locked room fake death story isn't true, there is still quite a bit of speculation that... Uh, this lady, the brown lady, did not, in fact, die of smallpox in 1726, mm. but was rather murdered when her husband pushed her down the same stairs she appeared on in 1936 in a fit of rage. There's really no good way to die back then. No, it's smallpox, yeah. uh, starving to death, it's locked like in a room. Jaw or- rot, get <laughs> shot in the face by a musket, <laughs> right? bitten by a snake. Mm-hmm. You get dysentery from an outdoor toilet. <laughs> That's it? Uh, you just get beaten to death, hit by a carriage, and sometimes mm-hmm. they just stop breathing. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> you stomped c- on by some cows. You're giving birth to a baby, it gets stuck up against the, your hole, and then just goes, uh, 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 until it fucking mixes up your fucking insides. Right. And then you die going, oh. While the father just sits sipping brandy, smoking a cigar, <laughs> saying, unfortunate. <laughs> better get another one. Men did great. Men were having a fine time. Yeah. A little bit of a better time, I suppose. Wool rashes was bad. But, enough. you know, I was thinking about, I mean, how disgusting. It's a terrible death to die flying down a flight of stairs. You break your neck or yeah, your bone. She I mean, broke her neck, supposedly. But that's oh quick. Is it that quick? Yeah, it's kind of fun, actually. I think that's kind of a fun way to go. The stairs? I say the worst way to go is bleeding out of your ass until you die inside of a porter potty. Yeah. I actually don't know. That could feel refreshing. <laughs> well, the first recorded sighting of the brown lady's ghost came on Christmas, 1835, over 100 years after her death. A one Colonel Loftus reported that as he lay in bed Christmas night, a woman in a brown dress approached him, and as her glowing face drew near, he saw that her eyes were nothing more than empty sockets. Mmm, hot. Later down, put some hard, uh, hard-boiled eggs in them. Crack those <laughs> open. Have fun. And the colonel left Raymond House that night with most of the household staff following him the next day. Can you imagine yeah. the shrieking of a colonel like running up? <laughs> what do you think? Do you go with him or not? You're sleeping? You didn't see the ghost? Get the fuck out of there. You go? Okay. Yeah, it's 1836. You can get another servant's job. I want to say, I want to see the goddamn ghost. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where the next sighting comes in. That happened only one year later in 1836. This time, the witness was Captain Frederick Marriott, who was a pioneer of the sea novel. The captain was staying at Ryman House for the express purpose of dispelling the haunting rumors, saying that the whole thing was just a cover for local smugglers, hoping to scare away anyone who might come across their operation, also known as the Scooby-Doo Gambit. 
Is that what hmm. you made up? I like that. The idea yeah. is that yeah. just a bunch of people walked around with like sheets on, going like, "Oh, <laughs> leave your leave your wallet. Oh, the only way I will ever peacefully rest is if you give me those Air Jordans." I don't know if they had Air Jordans no. back then. <laughs> Hmm. Now, while the first two nights passed without incident, the third would prove to be the most eventful. Captain Marriott, a gregarious fellow, had spent that night visiting with some of Raynham House's permanent residents, playing with guns. And upon returning <laughs> to his room to turn in for the night, the captain happened to tuck a small pistol into the pocket of his nightgown. Because for how else would he not know that his penis didn't work anymore? That's right. <laughs> And as he walked down the hallway back to his room, he noticed a woman at the end of the hall carrying a lamp, slowly approaching. And the captain, being a modest Victorian, quickly hid in one of the hallway closets, keeping the door cracked open just enough to make sure he knew when the woman had passed by, and he could then continue on his way. But as the figure drew nearer, the captain recognized her from a portrait that had hung above the bed in the guest room. It was indeed the brown lady of Ryman Hall, and even though the captain had not made a sound, the apparition stopped at the exact spot where he was hiding, turned her head, mm. and grinned. Now, after the woman turned and grinned her diabolical smile at the captain, the captain, not taking any chances, immediately opened fire on the ghost, firing two shots into her head. The brown lady quickly vanished the only evidence of the incident being two bullets lodged in the door opposite the captain. And that captain was the great-great-great-grandfather of famous American George Zimmerman. I knew you were going to say George Zimmerman. I knew it so hard. <laughs> now, the photographer of the infamous stairway photo was the last person to witness the brown lady of Ryman Hall. And although no one has been able to conclusively prove that the photo is a fake, there are a few theories as to how it could have been done. Because there's the thing Marcus and I were mm -hmm. talking about earlier when we were talking about the episode is that it, it seems like I don't know whether or not it was much easier to fake a ghost picture back in the day than it is now or if it was actually much harder i think it would be much harder wouldn't it be well what they used to do like uh, all of the uh like we're really the only photos that we're talking about today uh are the ones that haven't been conclusively debunked yes. there are thousands of fake ghost photos mm -hmm. that were made in these days because it was actually extremely easy to do what they would do it was a, a double exposure is that they would just expose part of one photo uh over the uh, setting of another photo and it would create like a transparent ghostly like ghost-like image and, so, right. and like and on this picture they say oh maybe a way it could have been faked was by smearing grease on the lens yeah because it's not a clear figure like it's merely i mean it's human shaped Mm -hmm. uh, but he does. It's, it's a haunting picture, and we're putting together a photo album mm -hmm. of all of these pictures, and it's very tr like it feels real. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It really does. Feel what do real. I know? I smoke weed soon as I'm not talking. See, That's I don't. Great. I don't smoke weed, so I can also say that it feels r real from a sober and clear-headed perspective. I might add. <laughs> all right, there we go. <laughs> poo poo! I poo poo on you. Uh oh, poo poo alert. <laughs> now. 
Some people say uh, that, yes, it could have been a smudge on the camera. They say he possibly used grease or Vaseline, something like that. Others said it could have been an accidental double exposure or that light somehow got into a camera. But that Mm. doesn't explain uh, the accidental theory doesn't explain why the photographer on site Witness the ghost. This was the 1800s? Uh, this, no, this is 1936. 19, you don't waste Vaseline in 1936. <laughs> you don't waste it. No way. Now, the only full-on attempt at debunking was done by a pair of Hollywood magicians named John Booth and Ron Wilson using a similar camera and taking a long exposure of Ron walking down the stairs of the Magic Castle in Hollywood. The two were able to make a reasonably a reasonable facsimile of the brown lady photograph. We're not saying it's real, but it 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 could be. No, the, the people who debunked it are magicians. They're liars. <laughs> That's what they do for a job. But you should watch the documentary, An Honest Liar. Oh, it's about, a great documentary. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, by it's John Randy. I forget the name. The Amazing it's on Randy. Netflix. The Amazing Randy. Yeah. He and it's all about he was a professional magician that made a whole career on debunking. Essentially, yep. his main enemy was Yuri Geller. Right. But he also went and attacked uh, several gigantic, like you know, super pastors and all that shit. And their mm-hmm. ways, their their healing processes, which is very interesting. But yeah, magi- that's a magician's job, though. That's how he put it: is that a magician's job is to sort of protect the lie. Yeah. Like there's, they right. are supposed to openly be liars that tell. Tell you I'm going to lie to you and tell you I'm going to trick you and then do it and then you can't see the holes in their trickery of you. And the, his problem with people that fake ghosts or that fake religious healing mm-hmm. is the fact that they are taking advantage of people that are coming at them like vulnerable. Like desperate take, people. Desperate. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the other ghost that uh, has been photographed in England is the ghost of Newbie Church up in Yorkshire. Now, it's among the most famous of all ghost photos, and this one, taken in 1963, shows an almost nine-foot-tall figure wearing a black robe and a white shroud with two dark holes where the eye should be to cover its face, possibly to mask leprosy or another disfigurement. He stands in front of the church rectory, tall and thin. The creature is semi-transparent, which, mm. which suggests that the picture might be a double exposure. But multiple experts who have examined the photograph over the years found no abnormalities of the type. It's very easy to spot. If you know what to look for on these old photos, it's very easy to spot a double exposure. Okay, so even if it is double exposure, there's still a nine-foot giant uh, in the in the town. <laughs> yes. Is that right? That they had to, they had to come and probably pay him five shillings and the newly invented peanut butter all buck them in mm. to put his shroud on. He's like, sure, I stand near the organ. When do I get the girl? Maybe he's a very nice giant. No, there's never one. Yes, there are some. You're technically the nicest giant I've ever seen. Uh, I'm the and only you're, one. And you're, and you're prickly. Oh my god, I'm not prickly. Now, the strange thing about the Newbie Church photo is that Newbie Church itself has never had any reportings of hauntings before the photo was taken or after the photo was taken. And the picture was taken by Reverend K.F. Lord, who at the time reported no apparition whatsoever being present. Now, it is entirely in the realm of possibility that the figure in question is just a projection. But this would have taken a fair amount of fairly complicated equipment and where a reverend from Yorkshire 
also known as the Texas of Europe, where he got this equipment or what his motivation might be for faking such a photo. Those are mysteries. Yeah, they're bog people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually don't. I don't know anything about Yorkshire, but it just seems like I know about the pudding, but then I just feel like most of the people also look like the Yorkshire puddings. I know enough about Yorkshire. They're nice people. I'm not saying they're bad. (laughs) I'm just saying they're of a type. And I'm saying that there is a, and there's a whole bunch of bog people down there that are like, they're not faking pictures of ghosts. They're too busy getting too drunk to put their thatch huts together. (laughs) Well, that's not a bad person. That's just a drunk person. (laughs) No, it isn't just young, beautiful socialites or mysterious leper monks who show up in these photographs. Hmm. Two of the creepiest examples involve visits from a much more mundane sort, the elderly. It really, these are Hmm. the pictures that really do creep me out because they're so real. And a part of it is just true where it's just like, have you ever spent time alone with a really, really old person? Yeah, I once watched my uh, great aunt Bilo rip apart a teddy bear with her bare hands. How'd that go for you? It was uh, traumatizing. And what did the teddy bear do to your great aunt Bila? Not Bilo. Bilo. Uh, even worse than Bila. No idea. So what was she screaming huh. the whole time, being like, she, I hate, I want to see his guts. I want to see his mm, goddamn guts. Eerily silent. Mm. Uh, I spent. Except for. I only watched her out of the corner of my eye. I'd spent most of the time focusing on the water burger that was uh, outside the window. Terrifying. <laughs> but the, 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 yeah, so an 85 to 9 year old, it just feels like death is close. Yeah, and it yeah, yeah. feels like ghosts around being like, I can't wait to get over here. i show you where I can get you a seat in the lunchroom that's not too close to the bathroom. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's all, they're all just waiting to be like, oh, you gotta hurry up and get here. We only got four people to pay Trivial Pursuit, and it's only fun when we've got five. <laughs> now, the first example comes from a Mrs. Maybell Chinnery, one day, as she was visiting her mother's grave in 1959, May Bell, for some reason, snapped a photo of her husband while he was waiting in the car as he refused to visit the grave of his mother. I won't go! I love that guy. <laughs> I refuse to see a grave! I like the car, it's nice and warm in here, you can't make me go! I hate putting flowers on things, and I hate things written in stone, you know why? Because I hate permanence. <laughs> That's a good point. I won't leave! (laughs) Now, when the film was developed, the couple noticed a shadowy figure lurking in the back seat. And on further inspection, Mabel discovered that the figure was a dead ringer for her dead mother, whose grave they were visiting that day. Hmm. Once again, double exposure and reflection have been ruled out completely, and one photographic expert even said that he staked his reputation on his claim that the picture is genuine. Very cool. It's very cool, and it's yeah. a very it's a very scary looking picture. Terrifying. But what mm-hmm. I like about it too is it's that it's a part of what almost makes me believe in sort of the holographic nature of ghosts, um, and how even when you don't see it, it's like these these dubiously real pictures, the ones that you look at and like and that are heavily kind of they try to debunk them, but they can't really. Mm-hmm. The photo quality of the ghost is very interesting because it's like an attempt at it being actually there. Like it looks, it the the picture is looks like a dream logic version mm. of a, of a person actually being there. Do you yeah. think it's like the ghost really trying hard? Like if you're constipated, 
you know, but you're a ghost and you really want to be seen, do you have to like really push hard? You're talking you about like in the seen? movie Ghost? <laughs> no, not in the movie Ghost. You're talking a good about movie. Ditto, pushing the penny, kind of got to think real hard, be Patrick Swayze kind of ghost. That kind of ghost. Yeah. But to be like seen, yeah. I don't know. I would just feel really bad for Patrick Swayze if he's go- if he's going in auditions rooms even now just trying to push pennies and being like, <laughs> you get it? You get it? You know, I mean, you're like, it's a big yeah. fun joke to him. And no but- one respects the penny anymore. No, 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 no. He's trapped between worlds. Hmm. <laughs> the other example is a fairly innocent picture of an old lady at a nursing home. The old woman's daughter visiting her on family day, took a picture of the octogenarian looking somewhat morose and not extremely pleased that her picture was being taken. Because think about this. You ship an old woman to a to an old people's hotel where, where old men are finger-banging every woman that's around them, which is true. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more oh, weird STDs, instances. Yeah. All that oh, yeah. shit happening. She, you basically put her in, like, in... Sing, sing, but for old <laughs> yeah. people, like it's like benevolently. You can't leave, though. You know, like mm-hmm. you're kind of kept purposefully in prison, and so then they have a family day where you could come and eat Jello and stare at them, <laughs> yeah, and then you'll sad. get to leave again and be like, yeah. "Bye, Grandma." Yeah. Meanwhile, you get to go and fucking sixty-nine your husband without hearing your mother in the other room talk about how loose her goddamn teeth are. That's right. <laughs> I do picture them taking pictures of ghosts, and then the person is just like, I'm still alive. And they're like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm still alive here. Look at this incredibly realistic ghost picture. <laughs> now, when that particular picture was developed, a figure who had not been noticed at the time appeared behind the old woman. And the family says the figure, who I might say looks a hell of a lot like the giant from Twin Peaks, oh. yeah, is without a doubt the old woman's husband, who died 13 years prior. It's a pretty creepy picture. Yeah. And he's oh, definitely, man. like, staring. Yeah, hollow-eyed. Poor guy, too, on his death, but he's like, finally, I've been released from this woman. And then oh, it's yes, just, I no. hear I, Marilyn Monroe will be here, <laughs> or Jane Mansfield, my favorite from back of the... Oh, God damn it! I gotta see Maud again. <laughs> you can't even talk back to her. Now, although these pictures are definitely creepy... Perhaps the most fascinating paranormal photographic phenomenon had more to do with the photographer than the photos themselves, which brings us to Mr. Ted Sirius. Ted, Mr. Silly Sirius. <laughs> oh, nice. Possibly one of my favorite people that we've ever covered here on Last Podcast. I love, love this guy. This man, he is fascinating. So, Ted, he was an alcoholic, unemployed bellhop from Chicago. He was also a former car thief, a compulsive liar, and almost certainly a psychopath. But he had one special skill. He claimed that he could transfer his thoughts... To film. This is a problem. Yeah. When your whole life is bullshit. <laughs> oh, what's the problem? And you've always yeah, been, you are a compulsive liar, thief, criminal, unemployed bellhop. Which is just unemployed, by the way. <laughs> which is just yeah, like, not- you just are a human cart. <laughs> yeah. Not to insult a bellhop. No, I love a good bellhop. A good bellhop. A good bellhop. Of course. But most bellhops are naughty. Naughty okay. bellhop. I don't know what your experiences have been, but oh, they're they're trying to get in there. Every bellhop when they come in there and they're kind of waiting for the tip a little bit is like they're kind of hoping, being like, maybe you could just show me the tip. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Now, Ted, his method was that he would use a piece of plastic tubing that he called his gizmo in conjunction with copious amounts of alcohol which he called film juice. (laughs) Ted produced over a thousand images. 
in his career as a photographer, as he called himself. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Ted's method was to get blindingly drunk, hold his gizmo up to the lens <laughs> of a Polaroid camera, scream obscenities often in various states of undress, and instruct the photographer exactly when to take the photo. It sounds like Gary Busey. I would pay so much money to see this man work. (laughs) Oh, my God. I wish I could have seen him. Now, Ted was discovered in the mid-60s by a respected psychiatrist named Dr. Jule Eisenbud. It's pronounced Yuli. (laughs) Yuli Eisenbud. He was from the University of Denver. Here's Dr. Eisenbud talking about what would transpire during the Serio sessions. When he was hot, when he was in the groove, what happened was that first he would start by alternating whiteies and blackies. Hmm. Blackies is total obstruction of the light, no light getting in. Whiteies is total overexposure, which shouldn't have been. Dated terms. Then the pictures would start getting darker and darker and darker, and then he would start to imprint parts of people or scenes. It almost Ooh. sounds like when he was hot in the groove, it immediately sort of sounds like he's talking about a DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And also the alternating whiteies and blackies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ Sirios. DJ Sirios. Yeah, we- Ooh, that's a good name. Yeah, yeah it's a great name. But whiteies and blackies, that was yeah. just because there was white exposures and black exposures. Right, yeah, yeah, no, what totally would you reasonable. call them? Henry Zebrowski. Don't even ask him that. Why? Why are you just you're just creating yourself? You know you're gonna have to edit out whatever the answer is. No, you call him you call him Ronnie's and Oprah's. Oh, okay, Ronnie's and Oprah's. Um, but no, he, well, the images that Ted produced remarkable to say the very least. You know, at the very end, uh, what Doctor Eisenbud was talking about is that these images, besides just uh, the, uh, you know, the whiteies and the blackies, which were, they shouldn't have been, uh, by all accounts, they should not have, uh, they shouldn't have showed up like that. Mm. A small number of the photographs actually showed images of faraway places that Ted had never visited. And the most compelling mm. images showed words misspelled, such as the Mountie Station, whose sign spelled Canadian wrong, or the picture of the airplane, whose struts appeared to be inverted. And these sorts of inconsistencies and rearrangements of letters are exactly the types of things that we encounter in dreams. And we were talking about just earlier when I was saying about the dream logic attached to ghost phenomena and UFO phenomena, any sort of anomalous phenomena is very interesting. It's it's about... That, that, to me, what kind of makes it a little bit more legit is that when you see the weird, it's, they're not purpose, they're not perfectly, like, made pictures. They right. look like smears. They look like a thing you see out of the corner of your eye. And then he kind of somehow throws them blindingly drunk. Right. Onto yeah. a, not unlike Jackson Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a window pane when it's raining outside sort of thing. Right? Actually, yeah. A, a lot like that. It would be a little blurry, uh, but sometimes it would be very sharp and focused. Of course, there were plenty of skeptics. Most of them focused on Ted's little gizmo, which, again, was either a short piece of plastic tubing or a rolled up piece of paper, depending on Ted's mood. That day. Now, here are two skeptics explaining just how Ted would have been able to fake his thoughtographs. Charles Reynolds and David Eisendrath, experts in both photography and conjuring, speculate that Ted might have used the gizmo to hide a pocket magnifying lens with a tiny slide stuck on the end. 
by taking a piece of a transparency, a piece of a photographic transparency, and fastening it across the end, when light passes through the transparency and then through the lens, is picked up by the optical system of the Polaroid camera, and voila, it becomes uh, a photographic image. Somebody has a wedgie callus. Uh-oh. <laughs> the main problem, though, is with it is that in order to take the pictures they show later on, is that you had to put the tube flat against the camera lens while they took the picture. But the right. problem is, is that he was, so, like, part of the thing that makes it seem that ex- that explanation less legit was how hammered Ted was. Yeah. Ted would get so hammered and so belligerent. When you see footage of the 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 actual process, he's running around going like, ah, ah, he's just going like, go fuck you, fuck you with the camera. They're trying to like bleep it out, and he's like, the 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 little device hardly hits the camera. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, the skeptics actually say the use the exact same thing. Yeah. To they try. He uses they it. They say that it is actually a uh, an old magician's trick is to cause chaos. It's misdirection. True. Ah, yeah. Yes. But although that definitely is compelling, it doesn't explain Ted's second method of photography. What Ted would do with the photographer miles away, he'd call up the lab and tell them exactly when to take a picture. And when the Polaroids, and by the way, Polaroids, impossible to tamper with in post-production. When the Polaroids came into focus, the researchers found that the pictures would be completely blacked out even though there was nothing blocking the lens and there was plenty of light in the room. Cool. And Ted's last photograph was taken on June 15th, 1967. It was an unusually sharp picture of a set of red curtains. And Ted somehow survived into the 21st century and died in 2006, and the mystery of photography died with him. Interesting. Oh, well, he's just one of those guys that just lived with spite. He just lived like, he just <laughs> yeah. lived uh, to be like, you're all telling me I'm supposed to die, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Drink until everybody leaves me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He had a very long life. Yeah, he had an extremely wow. long life. Yeah, I mean, when he was yeah, doing for this. Yeah, screaming alcoholic <laughs> psychic photographer. And for even a vegan who was sober, he had a long life. Yeah, I mean, he was a. Yeah, when I've seen the videos of him in 1967, he looked near middle aged, but with alcoholic bellhops, it's real hard to gauge exactly yeah. how old they are. Especially when they're unemployed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of time on their hands. Um, wow. All right. Great episode about uh, about uh, paranormal photography and technology. But I still don't ever want to take away from the ghost argument. Like, I want ghosts to be real. We all do. I believe there well, there is something to, and again, we're going to find later on in life, I think 100 years from now, it will finally be that gigantic theory that ties together ghosts and aliens and Bigfoot. I think there is something to all of that phenomena put together. That's why we see ghosts in the same place we see UFOs that we see Sasquatch. It all happens. There are, there are places that are that have high, I want to say, psychic energy to them. Well, reality is thin. I believe say. it. I yeah. believe it entirely. And you could change your reality. You fuckers. That's <laughs> Believing very, in yourself. You can. You can change your reality. <laughs> Indeed. Um, 
All right. Well, uh, let's see here. What do we do now? Uh, right. First, right off to up top, man. I want to thank the city of Baltimore for showing oh, us such yeah. an amazing fucking time. Thank last you weekend. for not killing us, Baltimore. <laughs> oh, such an incredible, <laughs> uh, incredible show. And that was one of the best weekends I've had in I don't know how long. Uh, I love your city. It's fantastic. We all love your city. We mm-hmm. cannot wait to come back. Uh, and because of the success of this one, we're definitely planning a lot more live shows because of the success of this one and because of the success of our Patreon campaign. Thank you guys so much. Uh, go to patreon.com to give to uh, our Patreon campaign. Because of all this, we're going to be doing a lot more live shows this summer. We're looking at How- shows in Atlanta. We're looking at shows in Baltimore again. We're looking at shows in Chicago. This is what we're, we're trying to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we will make a solemn promise to you right now, even though the shows might be a day or two late here and there as we're traveling, we're still going to be putting out episodes every single week. So don't you fucking worry about don't that. Don't you fucking ever worry about it. Well, no, second. I don't think they were worried about it. You just it. wake I, up. You don't, you have to just fell asleep at this podcast. You wake up, the world's on fire. You're projecting right? a little bit. I think. I'm just saying we're They're, fine. We want to do the show. We love it. We love, we love the it. This is the yeah. only thing I have. Yeah, it's the only to put my thoughts out right. into the universe. That's good. well. It's nice to get them out there. Thank God, right? Because <laughs> if not, they just sit in my brain. Like no, my no. brain is a casket for ideas. That's a terrible. That's terrible. Your ideas should not sit in a casket. No. no. They need to be expressed. If you guys want your uh, last podcast on the left t-shirt, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash merch. And once you get it, go to our Facebook page and uh, post a selfie of yourself. I love seeing the selfies of oh, the yeah. people with the t-shirts. It's, uh, it's super cool. Uh, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter, uh, at Marcus Parks, and on uh, at Instagram. Uh, Dr. Fantasty, that's Henry on Instagram, and Henry Loves You on Twitter. Yeah, and at LP on the left for our last podcast Instagram. So. Yeah, yep. and go uh, listen to my new radio show, uh, Lucky Bone Show, Mixcloud.com slash Marcus Parks. Oh. It's all Marcus Parks, all of it. Oh. I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel, yeah, and check out uh, Abelian's Top Pet to follow the uh, politics and stuff like that. We just had an ex-CIA uh, agent on, Mike Baker. That was fun. People are really loving this um, episode. It's su- it's it's really interesting. And, uh, and you spill any it. beans? No. Uh, he asked him about reptilians towards the end. He got a little shaky. He did <laughs> yeah. get nervous. Yeah, I would have yeah. gotten in his face physically. Well, he was a uh, he was far away. It was yeah, a phone conversation. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I would have. Yeah, I want to meet him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a really interesting insight into the CIA from a person who actually worked in the CIA um, for decades at a time. And then, of course, the roundtable of gentlemen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out those shows. And um, I guess I'm just going to say, hail yourselves. I'm going to say, Hal Gein. Hail Satan, the one true lord. Hey there, fuckers. This is Hong Kong Henry Zabrowski. And I want to remind you to watch my special on Netflix coming out March 11th at midnight from the series called The Characters. You're going to see mine. You'll recognize my body in it, hopefully. Um, And spread the word that you know and I know that I'm doing the good work of our true lord and savior, Satan himself, with making as much nude, bush hair showing comedy as possible. All right? So you fucking do that. Hail Satan. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. 
With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.